welcome to the studio today. Thanks for joining us. I'm excited to have a great conversation with two great leaders that are joining me today. We have Pastor Danny Hand of Gateway City Church in Las Vegas. Our Las Vegas campus is joining us here, and right here at my right side is my very own son, Pastor Jordan Canastracy. And guys, uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm looking forward to a great conversation. How's the weather in Las Vegas, Pastor Danny? First of all, good afternoon, guys. It's great to hear you and see you. It's actually a pretty balmy 42. It's a cold, uh, cool desert balmy day. 42. Cold desert day. Yeah, you would see snow around our mountains. That's the cool thing a lot of people don't realize about the Nevada, Las Vegas. You'll see kind of snow sometimes year-round during the wintertime. Oh, listen, cool. that's around here, huh. but up in the mountains. That's a beautiful, uh, a beautiful area, especially if you fly over that uh, that part of Nevada. It is uh, mm. gorgeous. I'm a little bit jealous, uh, except when it gets up to about 117 up there. That's when I think, okay, yeah, there's a reason uh, 40 million Californians live on top of an earthquake fault. That's where it starts to make sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, 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 we have the summer to keep the sissies away so we we we, we that's what the 117 for danny you and i have known each other for decades we were remote both much younger <laughs> when when we first uh met and it's been just a joy to have you in my life a lot of people know that you're a great pastor a uh, great coach uh, a great athlete a great a great leader to uh, so many people, and God has brought us together. That's been an interesting journey. We've talked about that uh, at yeah. other times. Um, how how are you doing with being a part of the Gateway family? Are you enjoying that? Absolutely amazing. I was reflecting, I think it's this month, a little over two years ago, that we were robbed. Yeah, and, um, yeah. right. And at that moment when the church was robbed, I... I said it before, I think I was looking for an emotional out. And so many people, our local community rally, uh, gateway rallied, and it just felt like covering was coming to support and cover. And it just put a, a wind in our cell that we haven't felt in the 25 years of being in this city. So it's going amazing. And uh, we're so just, the time of our life. Just, just briefly, maybe someone's listening and they don't know, they don't know the, the story briefly. You, you mentioned being robbed. What, what happened? Yeah, the church, um, the, I got a call one morning from one of my associates. He said, brace yourself. The church was broken into, and they just ransacked the place and took instruments and computers, and it was uh, all re- replaceable stuff. But it was a, it felt like a, an emotional demonic dart that was yeah. literally trying to take us out. Right. And, uh, it was a tough season, and it's not always been easy. Uh, being bivocational and doing what we're doing, and, and uh, my my wife rallied, and the spirit of uh, the Lord was upon her that day, where she said, "Enough is enough," and a, a fighting spirit came up, and <laughs> she called every news network, and she was Mama Bear, she was protecting the Cubs that day, and she really took the point, and and uh, so just a massive community rallying, and the, the news cycle was really slow that particular week and so we were on every night and so many <laughs> testimonies of just kindness wow. and generosity to uh just help us stay in the game and then uh, you guys came in and we kind of started knitting our hearts in that season 
I remember one donor uh, from our campus uh, hearing about it. They wrote a check for $25,000. It had it was in my hand a few days later, and then we got the money up to you guys, and you were able to get some new equipment. And God just turned, you know, kind of a defeat, a dark moment, into a moment where maybe you knew you weren't alone, and and it was worth it. And you weren't Gateway yet at that point, right? No, no, we weren't Gateway. Uh, uh, things started transpiring and relationship started connecting. Actually, the the door for reconnecting with Pastor David, because I don't know if you remember, Pastor David ordained me in 1993. Yeah, of course. After I graduated Bible school. I was actually in Africa with Justin Manzi, sitting there having breakfast before we went out on the mission for that day. And he looks at me and says, you know, I don't know if this is God or not, but there's a man I think you need to meet. His name is David <laughs> Kenneth Tracy. And I just think you're supposed to be doing something. And I'm sitting there going, you got to get the Lord. Like, I'm in Africa. I'm with my buddy, Justin, and we went to Bible school together. And he's talking to me about my pastor who ordained me. He had no idea there was a link and a connection there. That's so cool. So, it's, it's, been a, it's been a great journey. And uh, I'm super proud of the job you're doing and have been you. doing for 20, 25 years, 26 years. In the city yeah, of mom and dad, mom, yeah, mom and dad get, came out a little bit before us, and, and uh, we came out in January of '98 to set yeah. on this journey. Yeah. Well, you're standing tall in ministry through the good and through the bad. And a lot of people know, you know, you're strong as a leader, you're strong as a coach, a mentor, a Bible teacher, a shepherd to so many. But what a lot of people don't know, that don't know you well is that you are a business owner. You are bivocational, meaning uh, you have your ministry life and you have your business life. And you know, your dad did the same thing. Right. Talk to us a little yeah. bit about bivocational ministry and what that's like. And I know Jordan's got some, some hard-hitting questions for you. <laughs> mm. Well, you know, I, I'm still leaning into it, if I'm, if I'm candid with you, most of my ministerial life as a bivocational minister, I've felt the the taste of maybe I'm failing, maybe I'm underachieving. Mm. Um, but my father was uh, excellent at both. I was even meditating on that this morning and talking to my brother about my father's pace and being able to handle family, business, personal walk with the Lord. Mm. And still going to our ball games, and I was fascinated just looking back how well and how much grace he had. But I didn't necessarily want to do that, Pastor. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to be misleading. I'm not like, yeah, I'm a bivocational minister. <laughs> right, right. It's uh, if I had it to do, if I if I had my choice, I would love to seen it some some different ways. But uh, it kind of it kind of just unfolded, you know, where this began to start, and and I was actually a youth pastor in New Jersey. And on a, on a Friday night, a painful Friday night, I watched a beautiful, faithful pastor after 15 years of service, I'm 23-year-old youth pastor, get voted out unannounced just because the church desired some change and they were bored. Hmm. And it, it shook me to watch this great man who brought us all the way from California to youth pastor in New Jersey all of a sudden on a, on a whim of an elder. I, I didn't think personally hindsight it was handled that well. But it started shaping my mindset like, wow, I didn't, uh, I don't want to put my life and my family in the future of a board just because they're bored and all of a sudden I'm jobless. And there's a lot of ministers, not all, but I remember distinctively 
this particular great man of God, he hadn't worked outside of uh, of the church ministerial, the, the priestly community, you will. He went from high school to seminary to right into vocational uh, ministerial work for 20 something years. And now he's 50 being faced for the first time in his life. Of, I, I, I've lost my job and I can't find another one. Mm. And I got to watch that behind the scenes unfold. And it really shook me uh, in, in a great way. God worked that out faithfully in his life. Actually, this last Sunday, 25 years later of that moment, he, re- he resigned beautifully, uh, preached his last sermon this last Sunday. And uh, he, he from afar has been a great mentor of me. Watching How old he, is he, he now? Handled. How old a man? He's, he's got to be, got to be pushing, uh, I would say close to seventies. Yeah. You know, yeah, close to seventies. But so he handled it gracefully. But it, my point is it started shaping me like, Whoa. Right. I, I and I'm not saying I even uh, necessarily handled that right. I might've been un, unintentionally making some agreements with some things just to protect myself. Hmm. But I, I made a decision that night. I am not going to put my, my financial decision-making in, in the, in the hands of the board. Hmm. Yeah. I started reshaping how it's going to go about work and ministry. So you started a business just out of, out of a need for security. Well, <clears throat> when you're a youth pastor in 1990, I yeah. was living in a church parsonage, making 200 bucks a week. And <laughs> we call that, we call that broke. <laughs> and, yeah. and one of the things that I appreciated about my father is a lot of times, and this is put this out on the table and to, to those who may be bivocational, according to uh, the data that I've seen Latitude Ministry put out that Justin Manzi and his team, that 80, 80, 80% of churches, I believe, is about 80 people and under. Yes. Yeah. So we, we got we to kind of reposture how we process what right. is success and what is failure. We would all love to pastor thousands of people, but some of us may pastor 50. And I've said this many times over the years. I never woke up and said, Lord, I'm really mad that you only gave me two children. Um, hmm. But sometimes in pastoring, we can look at what we have, whether it be 100 people or 50 people or 1,000 people, and it's never enough. Right. And I appreciate, I'm, I'm, I'm all about personal growth and attaining goals, but how often are we not in a posture of really enjoying the season or whom we're shepherding and not always looking at it as it's not enough? Well, right. because we, we, so we compare ourselves, don't we? And we shouldn't. Oh, we do. But it's, it's human nature. Um, my wife looks at fashion models on the cover of magazines or on uh, HD uh, television ads, and that's a certain concept of beauty, which she, as a, although she's a stunningly beautiful woman, at 62, she can't compete with that particular concept of beauty. And I think it's much the same in the, in, for pastors. I mean, we, we look at the superstars that are on YouTube or television or the, these right. great, amazing, and we get the idea that everybody is supposed to look like that. Yeah. And right. the truth is, almost nobody looks like that. Right. Uh, that's one tenth of one tenth of one percent of all churches that look that way. And the rest of us, uh, <laughs> we're dealing with the, the nasty now and now, right? Yeah. Right. So, so Jordan, back to your question. I know I didn't start a business out of that, but that began to birth a few things. One, as a youth pastor, I was saying to myself, I don't know that I've actually ever discipled a non-believer. It was, it was, yeah. it was always, it was always just somebody who was in the church or the the other 
the, the kids in the church that were raised. And so I started shaping like, Lord, I, I feel like I need to get out there. And, and I wanted to see the gospel come alive for me and not just because mom and dad passed it down to me. And so I started praying radical prayers. Lord, send me to wherever you need to send me and get me out of this church bubble. Right. And the Lord, boy, he, he answered my prayer a little more than I thought he would. He, he took me out of comfortable ministry, a beautiful community that had been there for 75 years. And we found ourselves heading to Las Vegas to pioneer from ground zero with nothing, no support, just a dream and a vision to start a church. So that was at 23 that you kind of had that first thought of like, or those, those couple of different thoughts about starting a business. Um, and then at what age was, was the first business that you started the one that you still have? Yeah, we, we came here, I came out uh, ahead to, to kind of stake out the ground, if you will. Mom and dad had been here uh, a little bit before us and had a, had a small gathering of a, a community that was starting to form my papa as well. He's, he's leaving ministry of, you know, 20 something, 30 years of, of Watsonville and he's coming here and he's starting over at 50. Hmm. Um, so I actually uh, left Margaret and the kids at my in-laws in Michigan and came out here and got a couple jobs and just started trusting the Lord for a place to stay and provision. Hmm. And uh, it, it was, it was, you stepped out on faith, back. man. Yeah. Ooh, was, but you was, knew, you knew at that time you really wanted to, to build with your dad. That's pretty great. I, I did. I, I, you guys know me. Um, and I, I don't mean intentionally mean to be misunderstood, but I felt he would allow me to be me and um, uh, a coach and, and not necessarily trying to, you know, so I felt, I felt, man, if, if there's any place I can do ministry and be myself, it's with my father. That's he gets good. me, understands me. And yeah. I also have just such a, 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 you modeled it, Pastor, it's your fault. I saw how you honored apostasy. <laughs> and that was my dream. I wanted to serve my father. And so it's, uh, it was a dream come true. Honor your father just, is a pretty big deal and you've done it well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what, so, so we, how old were you when you came to, to Vegas? Uh, I would say, I would say we were, I was 1998. So I guess 28 by that time, 27, 28. Okay. Yeah. 27, 28. So we came here sleeping on my parents' floor and began to work some menial jobs. And the way the, the business started, I was working at a, a uh, uh, apartment complex. And this is just to encourage people because sometimes you don't, I can't, I, I didn't have a vision board. I did start having an <laughs> inkling with some things behind the scenes and to tell yeah. my wife, cause I started meeting people, discipling people. And we, this is when we had phones connected to a wall. So we were spending, <laughs> I was spending a lot of time in the evening reading the, the Bible and talking to guys. And it was taking a lot of time. And I remember telling my wife, I had this weird feeling like I'm supposed to start a cleaning company. And I was working at an apartment complex with five other ladies in the office. And I, I got to be honest, they weren't the most tidy. And I have a thing about being tidy. And so they would leave messes in the kitchen. And I was always picking up and straightening up and not being told to do it. I just don't like stuff in the sink. And so one day the manager calls me in their office and said, hey, I'd like to talk with you. Um, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I think you need to start a cleaning company. <laughs> and, wow. And she, and she said, I'll tell you what. I'll give you the contract to this complex, which was 380 units. Whoa. 
all you got to do is get the fictitious name. All you got to do is get the insurance and all the necessary things, and I'll help you and train you. Wow. Don't quit what you're doing in the morning, in the afternoon. Start doing it after work, and until you're at the place where I feel it's passable, then put in your notice. And that was just the person. They weren't a believer. It was an angel wow. that you, it, wow. God used in my manager. Yeah. Wow. The, the next day was my day off. That Friday, I took in my paperwork handed them paperwork and started my, my business the next Monday. So can I ask when, when, when that person said that to you and that was a confirmation because you said that you had already said to Margaret, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. What was that yeah. feeling uh, when that confirmation came? Was it like, let's go or were you nervous? Um, All of that. Holy, holy cow. What do we do? I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, thank God it wasn't science and building rockets. It was just cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, God, God knew what level I was at. If it was algebra, or teaching trigonometry or something like that, I'd be in trouble. But uh, it was a, and let me be honest, backtrack a little bit to New Jersey. One of the things that I felt deeply is I needed to be able to provide for my children who would dream one day. Right. and need tools in their toolbox. And that's right. one of the things that scared me about the economics of, of ministry. Income. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I knew, I knew I wasn't called to be a mega pastor. I made too much fun of them. So God forgive <laughs> me. But, um, and so I knew in essence, you know, my economic potential and the size of church, I had to be honest with myself about that. My style is probably not going to gather thousands. I'm a coach, I'm a straight shooter. And so not everybody's always going to stick around if you know what I mean. So yeah. I was scared. I was scared that I was uh, not going to be able to provide for my children with, and they had high achieving goals. One to, one to be a pro baseball player. The other one had a dream to work in politics. Cool thing is my son got drafted by the Mets in 2014 and my daughter works in Washington, DC in politics. Yeah, so hindsight, yeah, it's been beautiful. Yeah. That's so cool. And man, Danny, that, um, that's, I really respect that, and that, that's really an inspiring thing to me that, uh, that you were so dedicated to ministry and you were so dedicated to providing for your family and taking care of your business. Um, you know, I think one of, one of the things that's probably going to come out of this conversation for some people is I think that there are people on either side um who don't have a who don't have like a great balance and are maybe wondering what that is some people who are all about you know taking care of their business and making money and I don't have time for ministry and I don't I can't do any of that um and then there are some people who are so into ministry and they give so much of their time and they maybe let go of their family a little bit, maybe let go of their other priorities a little bit. And I think that there are a lot of people out there that don't feel like they can do both, right? They don't feel like they can have a balanced life at home, take care of everything they need to take care of, and also build the kingdom of God. And I hear that, I hear that quite a bit, you know, from, from people who... Uh, they say they would like to be involved in ministry, but, oh, man, I'm just so busy. I just can't. I just can't, you know. Uh, so so it's just very inspiring to me 
to see that you were determined to do both. That's re- that's really really cool. Thank you. So, um, so you started this you started this business. You went and you got the insurance. You did the paperwork, and you had your first client. Uh, yeah. So, 2008, 8600 West Charleston. Wow. I'll never forget the unit. <laughs> Was it just you cleaning, <laughs> cleaning all those units? Did you, when, when were you able to bring on some, some people to help you? Well, like I said, two, 2008, 8600 West Charleston, Horizon Department Complex. <laughs> uh, the year was 1998, and I had no clue what I was doing. I mean, I, I spent six hours in that first two bedroom. Probably the cleanest unit the world has ever seen. I was scared. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I knew quickly, I think I was able to charge at that time $65 a unit. I knew quickly I was going to go broke. <laughs> and so I, I, had to, I had to learn the craft and develop it. Uh, God was gracious, Pastor Jordan. I mean, I, I can't, uh, I, I know this. I'll work hard, I'll show up, and I'll try. But I was clueless on what I was doing. I was using so, so many funny stories on the hindsight. So it started off with me by myself. And I got I to gotta be honest, this, this takes teamwork. It takes a gracious wife who's a teammate. She's holding down the fort with mm-hmm. taking care of the kids. And uh, so, so much of just seeing it to be willing to say to yes to what God had for both of us. Um, and so it took me. It took me about a good month before that manager uh, said I was ready. And um, then I, start, I started uh, about a month later, brought on one other individual. Um, and one of the things the Lord showed me, though, in this, in, this, in this bivocational ministerial endeavor wasn't just getting a job, having a company so I can have more income. But he also wanted me to teach those that I was discipling how to do business, how to fix credit, yeah. how to help them attain their, their dreams. And. So, so for some of these guys, it would be, hey, I want you to take this guy on a mission trip with you. One was a former ex-con, and we, uh, I was able to get all the legal documentation to get him to go overseas with me to the Philippines. Another one was just walk them through the process of fixing credit so they can buy a house. Another one was help them start their business, help them fulfill their dreams. So as they helped me serve, committed, sometimes the lesser pay, in return, as we are successful, I am going to now help you accomplish your dreams. And I still do life with those guys to this day. That's awesome. It's pretty cool. One thing yeah. I hear you say a lot, Danny, is we're doing life together. And and I think that's yeah. a, a very real, that's a that's reality, because yeah. you are really living with people. You're ministering to people at work, and you're working with people in ministry. <laughs> and it's, it's uh, you know, very blended together. And it's got to be kind of cool to tell these God stories and remember how God helped you get started. That always strengthens me when I'm able to remember that, hey, God is the author of this. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't invent this. You know, this is something that God is doing. But in the midst of that, still, I hear like a tone at different times of almost a stigma on people that are bivocational uh almost like, you, you know, you kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, does this mean I'm a failure? Does this mean, you know, I couldn't support myself in ministry or whatever? Um, but I think we should talk for just a minute about that stigma, because in reality, we don't see that stigma in the Bible. In fact, Paul the Apostle was a tent maker. He was bi-vocational. And maybe there's guys out there feeling the same thing that you have been acquainted with different times. They're right. like, 
what's wrong with me that I have to be bivocational? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a it's a interesting tension. I was thinking about this conversation we were going to have today, and you know, in Acts he talks about that. Acts eighteen he talks about how he is a tent maker, and there's other times in the Thessalonica church he talked about working so that he wasn't a burden to them. Right. You know, I, so I think we have to be fluid. Uh, uh, if I was to see our ministry grow, I think uh, we're probably between our community and the Spanish community about two hundred people. It's expensive to just economically have a facility. And if I was to see our community grow to be able to afford that, I'm not a financial burden, then I could see us making the adjustments, yeah. but it's just not a place economically that we're, we're able to do that. So I've had to learn to your question of uh, regardless if I have to work a job outside of the church, God calls us. So those that are listening to this, there's a calling and a purpose right, in your life. And right. Don't distinguish that calling based or not, whether you got to work a nine to five to, to fulfill that. And there's other times in, in, in Corinth that he said that the Lord commanded that those who preach the gospel should live, meaning get paid from the gospel. So there's a tension all the time. So we have to really be able to have some self-awareness, look in the mirror, not get caught up in comparison, such a dangerous thing. We all know that and uh, really just do what God's called us to do. But here's for me, the plumb line. If my family and my children could not um, be provided for their dreams, and I wanted to use ministry as the crutch. Right. I just don't see that as wisdom. Yeah. Because that's my first calling in my first ministry. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think we can do both, but pastors got to start saying, you know what? If I have to do both, and this may sound a little tough, a little firm, I just think uh, if I was to tell you, can I give you a little bit of my day so far? Just one day? Yeah. Got up at four. But actually, at a phone call at 1.15 a.m. in the morning for <laughs> a new disciple who, who maybe lacks a little etiquette and common sense, saying, hey, Pastor, can you pick me up? Because I'd like to go to Devo in the morning, and I'm wanting to wring his neck. And so we pick up the, 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 this young gentleman. We get to the church at 5.15. I'm opening up the building. I'm straightening up some of the bathrooms. So I'm always progressively trying to think what's the next step so I'm yeah. not overwhelmed. Right. It's really learning the art of, of kind of managing your day. We get through the Devo. And I did some sermon prep for about 15 minutes for Sunday's content. And then Pastor Freddie let us, let us in the Devo. At 7 o'clock, we have a tradition that Papa buys us all breakfast and coffee. We had about seven or eight of us gather for fellowship. And I had to run downtown to do two inspections. In between that time, meeting you guys, I did a quick 20 minute workout. So I learned to manage, Hey, if I, if I got to stay fit, got to stay strong, we got to, we got to keep this a part of the schedule. After this, I head to a one o'clock uh, luncheon appointment with a former baseball coach at two o'clock. We have a marriage couple um, counseling session. So it's bivocational and it's ministry. It's all that. It's like a buffet of just beautiful, messy stuff following Jesus. Yeah. Welcome absolutely. To the game. And that can be, you know, I I'm sure that there are that there are days where uh, where that's probably pretty overwhelming, and it's probably there's probably a lot of opportunity for for discouragement in a in a schedule like that. Um, is that true, or are you just maybe you're Superman? No, definitely. And I think after this long, though, you just kind of realize ministries sometimes like raising a family 
having kids, you know, and there's different seasons. So this season of my, my children, they're adults, they're reproducing. It's fun. I get to watch them clean up the messes, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just, it keeps, it keeps it. Cause sometimes let's be honest, you know, we minister, we're there on Sunday, we're up front, we're on a lifted up platform. We can see on, on whether a stream or TV and it looks cool, but it, it's, it's not as glamorous. It's a life. It's a lifestyle, like I said, I'm not trying to dumb it down. It's doing life. Yeah. Because, you know, the sermon's over and we might deal with the crisis on Monday. Right. So it's a fun journey. How do you how do you balance personal time? You mentioned working out and, uh, you know, you're busy with ministry, busy with business, time with your wife, time for yourself, time to rest and recover. Those are important things, and I know that you probably have some advice for people that are listening, whether they're bivocational or not. Talk about how do you balance things out, and and you just kind of barrel through, don't you? And no, I don't want to sound like it's 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 a, a Superman stuff because this is just my personal conviction. I remember when I was a youth pastor, uh, um, I used to think, man, I got a lot of time. On my hands. What do I do? I mean, spend so much time for sermon prep, and uh, so I, I, I felt like, man, am I cheating the church because I need to, you know, should I shovel more snow? I mean, it was one of those things internally. I just really try to, uh, I really try to think that the, the art of discipline of a day. We get so many hours in a day, and and I don't feel I'm overwhelmed at this season. I think I've got a rhythm and a pace. Fortunately, I'm not in the physical part um, that I used to be with the, the business where I was, I'm able to more manage people now. Yeah. In the early days for the first 15, it was physically whether I was running my own carpet van. And that was really challenging. I'm fortunate the last five or six years now, I'm able to kind of supervise and just schedule for me. So no, I think if we kind of, kind of set, it's not rocket science or the night before I set out, this is my to-do list. I make my bullet list. And this is what I hope to get accomplished in the day. If I don't, don't beat myself up. Just uh, do my best and get after it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that 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 makes sense, man. And I, you know, I think I think we need a little bit more of that mentality, um, especially especially in in the younger generations. I think I think we could use a little bit more of that mentality in the millennial generation, in the Gen Z generation. Um. And uh, that's, again, you're just an inspiring guy, man. I know you don't try to be, you don't set out to be, but, but you are an inspiring guy for a lot of people. And I just feel happy that you are out there mentoring people. There's a need for leaders like you. You know, I, um, I remember just quickly, uh, you know, there's this young guy who... <laughs> Who he's he's young adults age. So my wife and I were the young adults pastors at the San Jose campus, and uh, for a long time we were just saying to him, "Hey man, you know we're like inviting him. Hey, come out. He lives a little while away, and uh, f- for a while he was like, "Man, I'd love to come out, but I you know I just live so far away." And then uh, and then it was that he got a job, and and man, I can't I can't I just can't make it. I just can't make it. And then he started working much closer to here. And I, and I said, Hey, now you, now you're working over here. Um, are we going to, are we going to see on Thursday nights? You should really come out. And he said, well, you know, I got my work clothes and 
and I don't know about, you know, coming in my work clothes and I feel, and I just, <laughs> I just kind of realized, you know, the truth is he just doesn't want to he do it. He doesn't want it. Yeah. He doesn't want to do there it. There you go. Um, you know, there you go. and I think sometimes we you're can hitting, make, you're hitting a, you're hitting a yeah. good, you're hitting a good chord there. Cause if you were able to see my office to my left and I'm not a master musician, but to my left is a piano yeah. and I put this piano in my office for time management because I help on the worship team to my right is an acoustic guitar. Uh, to my other right, there's some hand exercise things that I do for hand grip because I'm into jujitsu, meaning we, we are. Life is beautiful. Let's yeah. make it fun. It's a canvas. Mm-hmm. We yeah. we can do way more than we realize that we're capable of. But you gotta sometimes want sometimes I think we make you do gotta want it. Yeah. And there's you know, there's areas that I can feel completely, you know, uh, if you were to ask me to write an article today, I'd probably have a meltdown. <laughs> why I'm terrible at writing. <laughs> now some things, yes, maybe there's strengths and maybe people are saying, Yeah, you don't understand why this is well, I can feel that emotion. Don't please don't make me write an article or a book, um, sure. but I think we, we, we sometimes wake up and can de- get depressed about the day ahead of us and go, oh my gosh, I got eight hour or 10 hour work day. No, I just kind of see it as a, an adventure of, wow, look at all these cool things I get to do. I've already driven 80 miles today. It's wow. one o'clock in the afternoon and it, it's just a fun adventure. Man. We admire you, Pastor Danny. Pastor Danny Hand, Gateway City Church. Las Vegas campus, uh, you are not Superman. We don't, you don't want us to believe that you're Superman, but you've got desire. And I think that's maybe one takeaway for me anyway, yeah. is you got to want whatever you're doing. If you don't want it, no amount of arguing is going gonna, is gonna to get it. But I think the reason why your life is working, your marriage is strong, your church loves you, your f- children love you, they don't hate God and they don't hate the ministry is because your heart of passion burned for God mm-hmm. and you found a way to make it work. So you are an inspiration. You are inspiring, transform lives, and love doing life with you. Any closing thoughts, Jordan? No, man. I just, uh, just again, I can't say it enough. I, I, I look up to you, Pastor Danny. I really do. And I appreciate you. Honor. You had a business. You're running a church. And the church, the campus that you're running is not... Um, is not a flounder. It's a thriving community of people who love you and love the Lord. And you're putting that culture of doing life together in them. And you have a family who loves you. You love them. You have hobbies that you love doing, you know, um, and you, you also get a, a podcast or two in there <laughs> <laughs> on your lunch break. So you're, you're an awesome guy, man. Well, to you both, Pastor Dave, Pastor Jordan, thank you. I'm honored as well to do life with you. This has been the funnest season of our life. Same. Uh, doing ministry. It's and a I'm, pleasure. I'm just, uh, uh, just kind of astounded. I don't know if the right word is the right word, but what, what the Lord is doing and going to continue to do. I just, uh, I, I woke up, I woke up this week with a sense of said. Is that right, Pastor? Yeah. How yeah. Out this word? Yeah. I've been thinking about his kindness. Yes. And, and, you know, I'm a driven guy, but in this season of my life, I just, I just want to encourage everybody. God is so for you. Yeah. And I know sometimes we can get into self-loathing and beat ourselves up and feel like we're underachieving, but we can just wake up knowing his mercies are new and uh, he is proud of his kids and we can get after it and just give it our best shot. 
I'm not Superman, but I do want to be Rambo one day. <laughs> so. that's, uh, that's a perfect, uh, perfect thought to end on. Thank you, Pastor Danny Han, Gateway City Church. Thank you for listening to the Gateway Leadership Podcast with David King Stracy, inspiring you to lead in every area of life. We'll be releasing a new episode every month, so be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Gateway City Church is one church that meets in multiple cities. To find us or to learn more, visit mygatewaycity.church. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next month.